Hey, Zach. Hey, Steven. So, Steven, you've been on the internet recently, right? Yeah, I have, actually. Uh, and around the beginning of April, everything on the internet goes really weird, right? I don't know what you're talking about. I heard about Google Gnome, though. Google Gnome, yeah. that's uh, It's a really neat product that Google teased uh, that they're coming out with um, as part of their April Fool's lineup, along with their Dutch Google uh, doing Google Wind, the uh, sequel to Google Cloud, which was actually... I, I really like the April Fool's jokes by the Google in the Netherlands. They always seem to hit the nail on the head. <laughs> I thought of a new one uh, this morning that someone should totally do. Uh, a phone manufacturer mm. should make a, or pretend to make a uh, modular thing that attaches to your phone that contains different types of compressed air. So it's a invisible tripod. So when <laughs> when you uh, when you turn it on, it inflates a balloon full of helium compressed helium and then it uncompresses it into a balloon so that the phone floats and then it uses bursts of compressed air to keep it steady and that's how you take your selfies now all right yeah and then you could you need like a rudder or something you need some way to make it directional so then yeah. you don't even need a drone you can just have this helium <laughs> balloon stuck to your I mean, phone it's not going to work in a hurricane but for small breezes it should work just fine yeah <laughs> uh reddit did an april fool's joke you want to talk about that Sure. Do you do you want to describe the? All right. Uh, well, basically, it's a giant canvas, and per user account, you get to place one pixel on it every five minutes. Okay, so it was a thousand by thousand canvas, uh, which is a million pixels. It started out all white, uh, and then you can actually see time lapses of how it all went down. Um, different groups formed and started building different things. There's a rainbow that ran through the middle of it. The bottom right corner tried to go all blue and it didn't really work. Um, there's a lattice of green up in the top right. Yep. Um, and just a collection of these communities sprouted up. Um, much like the button last year, it just was this thing that Reddit created that made a community around it which is interesting because Reddit is based on just bringing communities together. Usually they don't make them. Yeah, it's uh, it was really cool and really a interesting social experiment. Uh, there was one piece of the canvas that I personally worked on as much as I could, and it was a it was just a box with Euler's identity in it, which is uh, e to the i pi equals negative one, and the entire time I was just trying to maintain that one piece of the canvas because people are trying to take it over and stuff like that to for their own mm -hmm. projects. And by the end, uh, we got another identity right above it, and it was just a rewriting of Euler's. It was e to the i tau equals positive one. It was <laughs> a lot of fun. Um, yeah, I haven't really honestly been on Reddit all too much. But you messaged me at some point and said, hey, have you checked out Reddit's April Fool's joke? And then half an hour later or something, you said, you need to help me maintain Euler's identity. And I was really confused because I thought you meant, like, help you reprove it or something. <laughs> um, 
which didn't make any sense because I am I can do math, but I'm not all that interested in math. Uh, so proofs are above my pay grade. So I I was really confused and not 100% sure why you wanted me to help prove or help maintain Eilish's identity until I went on Reddit and checked it out. And then I noticed where the identity was and I helped you maintain that for as long as it needed maintaining. After a while, there were enough people. Yeah. And yeah, uh, one of those people was my friend and he, uh, when they started making the second one, the one with Tau in it instead of Pi... He started trying to make it back into pie because he, that's what he thought they were going for. <laughs> so, so my friend was accidentally an internet troll. It was really interesting. I actually was going along. You could click each pixel and see who last placed that pixel. And along the bottom of the Eilers identity box, I noticed that there was a line that uh, our friend, who was accidentally the internet troll, um. He placed a pixel, and then right next to that, you placed a pixel, and then right next to that, I placed a pixel. <laughs> was there any projects, or uh, were there any communities that you thought were especially impressive? I think some of the events, some of the happenings that occurred in the 72 hours were interesting. Like, uh, there was the void, which oh, yeah. was just this big black circle that started in the middle and then kind of grew in a tendrily fashion out to different bits of the map um and that there's there's a whole rise and fall of the void that you can follow through the story of reddit's our place um there was the battle between germany and france uh, there was a german flag and a french flag uh probably a hundred pixels apart that they were building up and at some point the german flag just started creeping towards the french flag faster and faster and faster until they just started overtaking the French flag. And France, instead of attempting to fight back or anything, just shoop, right up. They went from where they were and moved their whole flag up so they were just above the German flag. Yeah, it was actually pretty funny. They tried to fight back for a little by while, but realized that they were being overtaken, so they just moved it, like, <laughs> up that much up. And then <laughs> later, they actually went back down vertically and started attacking the German flag again, but this time uh, they had more luck. And after that spot where the two flags intersected was, contest uh, was being fought over for a while, someone had the idea to make a European Union flag right in the middle of the two. So that's eventually what happened. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was interesting. It's funny, the jokes that happened, that, like... Someone clearly came up with the idea, but the fact that a bunch of people could band around the one idea was really neat to see. Yeah. I've uh, been biking more. It's been nicer. It's getting to be spring. So I got out my bike and have been going around, but the bike lock that I got, uh, which actually attaches to my frame and then I can just slide it off at the press of a button, was in a weird... It wasn't in a good position to get the bike lock off, so the other day I went out and I moved it. So now it's easier to slide off, but now there's a screw holding that whole thing onto my bike frame. And the screw sticks out right to where my leg goes down, which means that every time I pedal, the screw catches on the like knee of my pants and rips it up a little bit. Mm. So I'm wondering 
if you can help me find a way to mitigate that damage. So were you thinking knee pads or hacksaws? Probably more on the way of hacksaws. Okay. Um, currently, I was thinking Sugru putty, but that seems too simple. There's got to be a <laughs> more fun way, at least. Um, I-, I guess I'm still a little bit confused in what's happening. Uh, so your bike lock, is it one of the the ones that look like U's that get locked at the top? Yeah, you with the bar. Okay. And that, there's a little mechanism on one end of that U, and then uh, that slots into another mechanism that gets screwed into my bike frame. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. I wonder, does the screw, so the screw, uh, something goes onto it and locks like that? I'm a little bit confused still. What's yeah, so it's for? a plastic circle. Uh, it's a the thing on the bike frame is pretty much just a plastic circle with a little tab on the top, and then through that tab you stick a screw, and then there's a nut that goes on the other end. And what does that hold in place? To hold it in place. What does it hold though? The thing that the bike lock slides into. Okay, so can you find me a picture? <laughs> and we'll put <laughs> maybe. So it's not this bike lock but it's something like this as far as whoops uh, never mind that's not going to work it's not that lock but it's that tube okay. thing if you go down to the fifth image the fifth image okay <laughs> so the two screws at the bottom of this image is that what's rubbing on your yes, knee yes they're just one screw on my okay yeah. And that extends too far and hits your knee. Okay. That yep. makes sense. Couldn't you just unscrew that if you wanted the bike? That's just for sliding the lock into when I'm going around. Oh, okay. I see. That's just the lock pull- comes off of it to lock on the front wheel. I understand now. When I'm stopped. So, yeah. Okay. So there here's another simple solution. Put that somewhere else. This frame was not designed for things to be stuck on it. There aren't too many places. Okay. Let's just ass- between a water bottle. We'll, we'll just assume that this is the only place that this could go. Yeah. Right. Hmm. So how could we? Will you ever need to take this off? Hypothetically, if I get a different bike. Okay. So we probably should stay away from melting. Yep. Yeah, welding it onto the bike frame also not. <laughs> optimal um okay here i got it i got it so okay you cut a small portion of the bike frame a part of the tube and reattach it with a mechanism that uh that twists the the part that you cut off as you pedal so and you time it so that when your knee goes up to hit the screw it twists the screws it twists the screw away. Okay, but then my other foot is going up and the lock is right on top of my other knee. Um <laughs> there's just a small problem with that design. Hmm. Cuz yeah, it'd be really easy just to twist the thing, but then the lock is sticking out right where my knees are. <laughs> I can't quite tell if you've frozen no, or I'm just, Oh, I have definitely frozen. Okay. My picture is frozen. That's weird. <laughs> I've never seen that before. 
Okay, I'm just going to be frozen in a right. twisting position. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to end the Skype call quick and come back? Sure. All right. Hey I'm like frozen on my end. Yep. Okay. Um, well, I really don't know, Zach. Uh, you could... Mm. So, as of right now, my, mes- my best bets are a hacksaw and some Sugru putty? I think so. All right. Or, you know, they make, like, little rubber caps that I could probably get and stick it on there. Because it's not that it's there that's the problem. It's that it's there and sharp and metal right. that's the problem. It's not that it's hitting your knee. It's just that you need it to not rip your pants up. That'd be preferable, yeah. Or just get better pants. All right. Well, <laughs> <laughs> thanks for your help, Steven. Thumbs up. Did you know that your ISP can sell your browsing history? I have been tangentially aware of this. So yeah, that's um, concerning, to me at least. Yeah. Not that I'd do anything that like would warrant an ISP, anyone caring about it, but what if I was searching for, uh, I, I don't know, something that my insurance company would like wouldn't like and they decide to hike up my rates because of it because they bought my browsing history yeah i i think there was a bill like this passed in the uk kind of recently but that was just that any government employee could see your browsing history Hmm. which included like postal workers so that was an interesting decision to have made to make it all government employees law enforcement or something but maybe it's to to encompass the government agencies that they aren't allowed to actually name. <laughs> but, like, they need to have them in right. so that they can... But, yeah, this is really... I mean, like, it, it's a, it's definitely not ideal, but it's not that big of a problem yet. Mm-hmm. I'm not panicking over it, but at the same time, I'm not super happy. Yeah. I think that uh, the Cards Against Humanity team was offering to buy all of Congress's browsing histories. Yeah, I saw that. Um, I don't know if that's how it works, like if you can buy a specific person's browsing history or if it's just in blocks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would probably make a lot more sense. Although it'd be super cool to just be able to... And it's information, so it's not like you can only sell it to one person. Mm-hmm. wonder if when you buy the browsing history, if it's... um. If they keep sending you a constant stream, or if it's just up until a point. It'd probably be provider by provider, or it could be. Right. Like, there, along with allowing them to sell your browsing history, they didn't also really put any rules on it, did they? Or not? Uh, not to my knowledge. They didn't put, like, antitrust free market <laughs> rulings on browsing history. So maybe you can only buy an hour at a time of browsing. Yeah. I mean, obviously, some ISPs will be better about it than others. Comcast will probably sell your data, but Sonic will probably not sell any of your data. Mm-hmm. Uh, to thwart this, if you care, uh, always use HTTPS so that the actual contents of your Google searches are not revealed. Uh, but all it knows is that you're searching something on Google. Um, another thing you can do is send a bunch of fake information. Mm-hmm. Using this Chrome app I discovered called Noise N- Noise Z, so that's N O I S Z Y. 
which is a very odd spelling. And basically it just sends a bunch of fake requests to a bunch of different news outlets so that it can't your ISP won't be able to tell if you are Okay, it goes to news outlets. Oh. Because it'd be really concerning. Yeah, that makes sense. If it... Oh, is that... I thought that's what you said. Oh, maybe it is. I don't know. I don't listen to myself. <laughs> well, I'm I'm worried that maybe it's going to start, like, Noisy is going to start Google searching how to build a bomb. Oh. Or... <laughs> yeah, no, it, it looks like it just goes to news outlets, to but on both sides of the political spect- spectrum. Also very far right and very far left. Breitbart and the left equivalent. I forget what that is. What is it? Hold on, it's... I know I've definitely seen, like, graphs of (laughs) extremism of outlets. Uh, Let's just see. But I guess as with all things, you really only see the extremes of the other community and the moderacy of your own. Mm Mm-hmm. Zach's a liberal snowflake. (laughs) (laughs) How long was it uh, from someone thinking this was a good idea to it being passed? Because I didn't hear about it until just recently. Yeah, I didn't... uh, You know, there's definitely some websites that you can see, at least as far as when it was proposed for the first time. So, whoops, Congress... ISP selling uh, history bill. Oh, here's PolitiFact. There was no sponsor, but it was introduced March 7th. Hmm. So, effectively a month. Yeah. Alright. And I'm sure this wasn't like... It wasn't a bill that said, ISPs can specifically sell your browsing history it was just a deregulation of the thing that said they can't so your okay con- yeah. your congressperson I... isn't evil they just want less regulations i mean it's certainly up for debate <laughs> but in this instance it doesn't really prove too much besides a decrease in regulations so every year cirrus the school that I go to and you used to go to, does the Cirrus Choice Awards. And that is just the students vote on different categories and the winner gets a little award at awards night at for in front of most of the school. Mm-hmm. And this year, we did it by Google survey because going paperless. Woo. And Google changed Google Forms to be default, only submit one response, to default, you can submit as many responses as you want. Oh, boy. So, I made a robot. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I wrote a little Apple script that voted for myself for all of the categories. Then I was told I was uh, ineligible because... Oh, man. Yeah, I know. Somehow she didn't believe me that 70 students from Cirrus out (laughs) out of the 20 voted for me. So even if you would have won otherwise now, are you no longer allowed because you rigged the vote? I talked her back into um, letting me be eligible, but she had to make a new survey because all of her data was... uh, What's the word? Faulty? Yeah. Yeah. Um, On the subject of voting, uh, we just had our student government vote here at UWM. 
And there were actually three candidates running for president, which is really neat. I'm always a fan of when there are more than two candidates. Except the voting system here is still first past the post. As much as they encourage many, many candidates, it's just whoever gets mm. the highest number of votes. Um, which means that the two people who are more socially conscious, social justice minded, uh, are ending up, ended up splitting the vote against the one guy who was like for frats, essentially, and a pro Greek life. Um, which, probably would have been disastrous if a whole bunch of organizations hadn't pulled their support of one of the social justice minded candidates mm. at the last minute. Um, there was, it, it was probably more eventful than most student government elections. <laughs> yeah. It sounds very politicky and not very yeah. studenty. <laughs> like there seemed to be some coordination, which I thought was interesting. Well, it was more certain things that were said during debates Oh, okay. That a lot of organizations just simultaneously noped out of there. All right. Yeah. So last time on the podcast, we were talking about musical instruments, and you asked me, what would the Flash's hand sound like if he vibrated it at a C? Mm -hmm. And with some research, I found out that different instruments sound different because of the imperfections in the instrument, hmm. essentially. So a string instrument sounds very distinct from a clarinet, say, because strings, they vibrate differently along the string. So at the center of the string, it vibrates the most, and, it's, yeah. and it, at, towards the ends, it vibrates less. And combined to your ear, that sounds like a C, but the different waves give it that string sound. Hmm, okay. That makes sense. So, with a clarinet versus a trumpet, a trumpet resonates a little bit, even though most of the sound comes out of the bell, and it yeah. resonates differently at the different points of the trumpet, because it's gone. the sound has gone through less tubing. So the thing that makes an instrument sound like itself is the stuff that's the wrong note? I That is my understanding. Alright, Sounds reasonable. Yeah. Also, uh, the difference between... You can pretty easily tell the difference between a uh, digital instrument and a real instrument by the patterns of attack and decay. So when a trumpet player plays into their trumpet, they have a, at first have a high, um, high volume hit, and then they go back down into the normal note, even mm -hmm. though... Two, so to your ear, and if you're not paying attention, it just sounds like the same note all the way through. But subconsciously, at least, you can tell that it's a real trumpet just by the way we play into it with our breath. So that's why, like, MIDI brass doesn't really work. It doesn't sound right. Yeah. Is because it's too good, essentially. Yeah, exactly. Too on the note. Yeah. So, the Flash's hand... Um... Depending on how he vibrated it, I'm thinking like he moves at the wrist in as if he's making a fishtail motion with his hand. Maybe. I think the Flash, it's possible that at one point the Flash was able to phase through solid objects by just like exciting every molecule in his body. Yeah, I remember that. So I feel like just he could make his whole hand vibrate as at a C, I guess was what I was thinking. Hmm. 
And yeah, so in that case, it would be something like, uh, I'm trying to think of a comparable instrument, but I don't think there is one. Uh, maybe it would be just like a what you get if you ask a computer to play a C, which is just, bang, you know, mm. the... Yeah, just a, a perfect C note. Yeah, just the sine wave. But, like, when a human sings a C, that's meat vibrating at <laughs> a, a C, and... That's not a, a perfect C ever. There are imperfections in that. So I think unless he spent his entire time as the Flash devoted to playing a perfect C, there would be yeah, some imperfections uh, in it. Yeah, you're right. Um, well, I don't know. Because if you can phase through an object, then you have to be pretty perfect. Otherwise, you're going to get stuck. That would suck. So I think he has a very a... high degree of control over his vibrations. Otherwise, he would definitely not be able to phase through something. Huh. Yeah, I suppose. He also ran fast enough to go back in time once. <laughs> Flash is a weird comic. Definitely. So yeah, uh, but if he decided he's going to do it the fishtail way, it would sound more like a piano, I think, because of the way that part of his hand is going less fast than the outside of his hand. Mm, mm-hmm. Kind of heavy, yeah, the imperfections of a string instrument. All right. All right. Yeah. <laughs> good to know. Uh, maybe we'll have to do some tests at some point. Oh, yeah. We'll just... Uh, further... Here's what we can do, Zach. We'll get a uh, one of the practice arms that doctors use mm-hmm. and then uh, figure out a way to vibrate that at a, at a right. very high frequency and a high amplitude and uh, more follow-up to come. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> So, if I, as Zach, had a GitHub page, on the issue tracker, there would be a persistent known bug of really bad with procrastination. <laughs> uh, the, the latest instance of this is a week ago from the day that we're recording this. I had a math project due the next day, and... We'd been given probably a month to work on this math project, and I had done some of part one, a good good fraction of part one, but there are three parts to this math project, and it's not just a simple math project. So I ended up learning how Wolfram Mathematica works, or improving my knowledge of how Wolfram Mathematica works, uh, figuring out a lot of gradient vectors and that kind of thing for some... 3D graphs, and combining the two and making a really nice printout sheet of this math project, parts one through three. And I ended up finishing that at about 6 a.m. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, so I was just falling asleep when you, Stephen, woke up and sent me something on Twitter. And I just sent back like, oh, no, <laughs> it's six in the morning. Oh, no. <laughs> I, yeah, I was confused because you 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 sent me back. I sent you a tweet because I thought it was clever, and you sent back, "Oh my God, you're up, you're awake, or something like that." <laughs> and I'm like, "Yeah, question. I mean, why wouldn't I be up at six a.m. and I wake up at six a.m.?" <laughs> but it wasn't yep. that I was awake, Zach. 
It was that you were awake. <laughs> it's you know you know it's gonna be a good week when you are falling asleep just about as the sun's coming up. <laughs> so I got maybe two hours of sleep on well just on Monday. It wasn't Sunday night anymore. It was just Monday. It was essentially a nap on Monday morning. <laughs> um. Woke up, went to class, got everything done, got everything turned in. Probably not to the best of my ability, but it was done. Yeah. There's that. And through the next week, uh, through this past week, I've been getting my sleep back on schedule. I'm actually doing pretty good with the whole sleep schedule thing. But clearly, next time I have something due, it's going to go right back out of whack. Right. So, Stephen, how do you deal with procrastination? Because my uh, system is not working for me. It doesn't sound like you have much of a system at all. Correct. Yeah, I don't have a great one either. Um, it's just put it in OmniFocus with a to-do date and then do what you and I talk about and just break the project up into several steps, as many as you can, and just... Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll do this today because it's an easy thing to do, but it is a thing you can check off your list, and eventually it'll yeah. get done. And if you realize that you are not going to be ready by the schedule, you just continue to go. And more helpful than knowing what to do is knowing when to do it and when it needs to be done. Because if I'm assuming you put it in your to do list or something. At some point. Yes, but I put it in as work on project. Yeah. So you need, I mean, the best solution I've come found out is to uh, put it in as research topic one, research topic two, research topic three, and when you're done with that, or even less than that, you can do research like to a point topic one, research to a different point topic one, keep going like that. If you mm-hmm. can't finish it in one or two sittings. Yeah. And then after that, you put in the rest of, okay, you actually need to print the stuff out and make a... So yeah, that's really the only way to do it as far as I know. I mean, you could like make a really annoying alarm clock that says, this is what you have to do, and read off everything in your to-do list. Please, no. (laughs) I would not be able to turn that off for probably three minutes. (laughs) And... Even better, uh, you also would never want to get out of bed because of it. Because you'd just be so overstressed. Too much to do. Too much to do. I'm going back to bed. Can't wake up. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Some weird logic our brains have. Watching something earlier, actually, that was talking about how the best, the most productive people tend to pare their to-do list down to about three or four things per day Mm -hmm. because it, then you have a sense of accomplishment. Hey, I did these three things at the end of the day. Right. And currently I at least have 17, which is much better than the 30 that I had last time we recorded a podcast. So I'm getting better about it. I have, but not much better. (laughs) I have five currently and one is record podcast with Zach. So I think we're all right there. Good job. <laughs> well, okay. Good it's, job. 
I don't have five things on my to-do list. I have five things in my priority to-do list. Overall, okay. I have, let's see. Yeah, it's probably around eh, probably around 50 things to do eventually. <laughs> but right now, today, I'm going to do five things. And are those just a lot of administrative tasks? Yeah, and generally that... There's some, like, I'm learning sign language as a project, which we can probably talk mm -hmm. about next time on the podcast, because I'm not prepared to talk about it. And so, yeah. uh, there's also a project research that I need to do, and I'm probably going to edit the podcast a little bit. Mm -hmm. And that's about it. I have too much homework to have just five things. Yeah. Is your priority... I know you said you were going to set up a priority system. Did you end up... Uh, is that working for you? Uh, n not really. I... The problem is, for a priority system to work, you need to set the priorities either every morning or every night. Mm -hmm. And usually... Or not usually, but there are some nights that I get home probably at 11 from work or from going out and doing something, and I'm too tired to sit there and think, okay, now what do I need to get done tomorrow? And a lot of mornings, I pretty much wake up, roll out of bed, and run to class. Mm. Or bike and rip your jeans open. That too. <laughs> so the priority thing hasn't worked. Hmm. Uh, I'm trying a scheduling system that I haven't had enough time to work with, so it's still... Maybe I'll talk about it next pod, but... That seems to work because I can schedule things into slots, open slots on my calendar yeah. whenever. That doesn't need to be just in the morning or just at night. The Tempest Project is finally over. We went to the conference in Madison, and mm -hmm. it's finally done. It's been going on for way too long, in my opinion. And yeah, so we presented the Tempest Wrap, which I am finally confident enough to, in to put in the uh, put in the show notes. And it was actually really funny because most of the projects there were uh, there were paintings or they were uh, <laughs> like it was art and it was projects and stuff, but it wasn't. Most of them weren't humorous. So we yeah. sat through like what's uh. About an hour of just uh, this is the painting I made, and it they were they were super impressive, and I can't pretend not to be impressed by them, but they weren't overly <laughs> entertaining most of the yeah. time. So we got up there with this epic rap battles of history style <laughs> video, <laughs> and got a very good reaction. Yeah, it sounds like a good break from the norm. Yeah, yeah. But but also I bet there would if if it were the other way around and it were a whole bunch of like joke type videos and then one painting somewhere there would definitely be a lot of people who really enjoyed the painting. Yeah, you're right. And I mean, yeah, there was uh interpretive dance which was yeah, huh. it was really fun to watch and it's just I I don't know much about dancing but it was essentially a guy in a leotard um prancing around the stage and making movements with his arms and legs. So, did, did the interpretive dance evoke thoughts of The Tempest? The music was a song from The Tempest. Ah, uh, okay. And, that's, and how, that's how he interpreted the song, I think, okay. as a dance. Perhaps. <laughs> 
So when we last talked about it, you said you were worried because you didn't know what you would say during, like, when you okay. had to go up on stage. That turned out not to be a problem because uh, our school wanted to present two projects in the five minutes we were allotted. Ah. So to show the entire rap, we were only able to say a few words. And it was Good. just, it was essentially just, um, hey, we made a rap battle. Hope you like it. Also, we're aware that there are some things that are not entirely accurate. Mm -hmm. And then we showed the video. And then the group behind us showed the video. Right. And that was also both the Glaconia and Cirrus's projects were funny in nature. <laughs> so what like what kind of things did the other people say when they when the other groups went up? Um, stuff like uh they mostly talked about the process and if they didn't talk about the process they started talking about uh what it meant to them personally rather than how it ties mm -hmm. into the tempest okay if it was a painting so it yeah if it was a painting of prospero then it was i used a blah 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 brush to get the beard just right and mm -hmm. uh and i'm quite proud of it etc there was a puppet show, which was entertaining. Of The Tempest. Yeah, a shortened version of The Tempest. Yeah. Now, I'm imagining, like, a giant auditorium, so could you actually see the puppets, or did they have, like, a video of them, or an image magnification thing? Uh, or? They brought the puppets on stage, but they showed a video of the puppets. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, that sounds interesting. <laughs> But yeah, just big. Do they do this? Is this a yearly occurrence? Yeah, uh, they pick a different book every year. Um, it is the youth something about reading great works of literature, something or other in Madison. <laughs> that's that's got to make a wonderful acronym right there. Yeah, it. Uh, it's not. <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> I'm sorry, but yeah, should be done now. Shouldn't have to do any more work on this stupid rap and <laughs> my partner's in that rap. So are you just done with school now, pretty much? Uh, almost. Um, I do have to finish up foreign language. Mm -hmm. but And that's the sign language. Yeah, which I'll talk about when I know some sign language. <laughs> and yeah, once I get that done, I'll be good to go. I, I, I could graduate without the sign language credit, but I do want it. Yeah. So I got some uh, some just-for-fun projects in the works as well. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. All right. So, Stephen, when you're working on those just-for-fun projects, how are you going to organize all of the deadlines? With OmniFocus. But I understand your segue. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think I fixed my calendar issue. That's good to hear. Yeah. Uh, it... I was trying to change the default in the Apple Calendar app, which is a client for iCloud and uh, Google Calendar. Mm -hmm. But what I needed to do was change it in the online version of iCloud and the online version of Google Calendar. Because somehow that changes the default on the Calendar app. Hmm. Which was... It's strange, but... I did get get it working, and now I have a bunch of events in that do or do not give me notifications based on what I actually want them to do, not what the calendar thinks is best. Yeah, that's it's always good yeah. when you can get the technology to actually do what you tell it to. 
But yeah, that took me way too long to figure out. I probably just <laughs> didn't work on it hard enough. But so mm-hmm. thank you, podcast listeners, for motivating me to get my life in order. <laughs> How are your calendars, Zach? Uh, my calendars are pretty good. Not much has changed since last time we talked about them. Uh, they're just keeping things in order, mostly. All right. I noticed you sent me a screenshot of your calendar recently, and I noticed that you have an event for sleep. Yes. Is that necessary, or is it just something that makes you feel better that is in your calendar? Uh, it makes me feel better, and then I am more conscious of things that go later. Oh, okay. Usually, because otherwise it's just a big white space. I can right. You you can do things in that time. <laughs> yeah. Um. So that's good. And for a while, I had it set up to send me a notification, but now I have my alarm clock app send me a notification that it's time to sleep. And I never actually do then, but at least then it's on my mind. All right. So I watched Going in Style yesterday, which is Mm -hmm. a movie about three guys in their 70s and 80s uh, trying to rob a bank. And without going into any spoilers, uh, I can say that it's not very funny. There are some times that I laughed, and they're mostly just like, I'm getting old jokes. Ah. So yeah, it's not like... I mean, it's a comedy, so the story wasn't super compelling either. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, they have some... There is a... Go ahead. A method of conveying punchlines. Yeah. And they have some really awesome actors in it, which is disappointing because they... I mean, which is what made me want to see this movie because I thought that the actors would be like, hey, this is the only reason this movie is good. And it's yeah, not even you, usually. Yeah. Usually if I see Morgan Freeman in a movie, I can make the assumption it's at least decent. Right, yeah. So yeah, we have, in this movie, there's Joey King, Morgan Freeman, Anne-Margaret, Michael Caine, Alan Ar- Arkin, Christopher Lloyd, Peter... She needs some help there. Oh, wow. <laughs> So yeah, some really good actors, but and they do they deliver punchlines well, but that's all they did. You can only act as good as the script you're given. Yeah. So yeah, I would say if you um, were considering seeing this movie, uh, see a different movie. If you are, <laughs> really want to see a movie, rent it on Netflix. If you because it is there are some funny jokes, but it is not worth the twenty dollars that this movie theater will charge you to see it. Just go on like that $5 Tuesdays. Or yeah. What, don't spend a large amount of money on seeing this movie. All right. An eh rating from Steven. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. So, Steven, you've heard of the company Soylent, correct? Yes, I have. They make the... Yes, um, they make... They make the uh, meal replacement uh, drinks made out of soy. Yes, I think the name originally comes from soy and lentils. So, Soylent, uh, they make drinks and bars uh, to act as a replacement for your meal. Um, They've recently come up with a couple more variations on their normal, like, version 1 drink, which was just this white sludge that got you all the nutrients and micronutrients you would need if you had five a day, was their promise. Hmm. 
And so now they've come out with some new ones. They've got Coffeeist, which is your, like, all-in-one breakfast solution. It's got the Soylent meal replacement nutrient stuff in it, as well as a shot of espresso or some amount of coffee Mm. to get you awake and fed in the morning. Interesting. And then they have the, oh, it's got a red label. I cannot think of what it's called. Uh, Nectar, maybe? It's not nectar. Okay, yeah, it is called nectar. Um, so they've got nectar, which is a little sweeter, tastes better, ostensibly. And then they've got cacao, which is just the regular soylent, but with chocolate in it. Um, they also made a powder, and it started out as just a powder that you would mix in with your food. Oh, And okay. then, then they moved on to selling pre-bottled versions. Uh, they also made a bar, a food bar, which was a good idea. It's like one of those really dense protein bars. Um, and I actually got a pack of them. But right around the time that I got them, they were recalled because they were making people vomit oh. en masse. Um, so they... You'd think that they would find that out before they pushed to release. Well, the thing was, it was only some versions oh like a different manufacturing like some, process yeah i'm not sure what it was but you you would get one box and it would be totally fine and you would get another box and all of them would be bad oh but you couldn't tell necessarily right, right. so they sent an email out to everyone who had purchased them and pretty much said hey throw out your the ones that you have we'll give you a refund just don't eat them right don't eat them don't okay? sell us yeah um so I did as they asked, and I threw out my box of Soylent food bars um, and haven't tried any of the other Soylent products. And part of the reason why is because the only way you can get Soylent in any form is in big shipments. Hmm. And I don't necessarily like to try one thing as Soylent. I don't want a big shipment. But sometimes it would be nice to, just as I'm going somewhere, pick up a thing of Soylent, and not have to worry about a meal or anything. Mm-hmm. So an idea that I've been sitting on for a while that I think would be good would be a Soylent retailer, uh, preferably a food truck. Just a little, <laughs> like a rickshaw even, that you could have pulled behind a bike oh, okay. that you just yeah. sell Soylent out of. And I don't know, you'd need to like set up an agreement with the Soylent company. Right. To get it to actually work out. Yeah, uh, I wonder um, if there's a reason that, like, you can't buy Soylent in grocery stores and stuff like that. I, I mean, I understand having lower prices online because you can don't need a middleman, but why not do it at all? Yeah, they currently do not work with any distributors or resellers. Except for Amazon. Hmm. And they don't have a reason why, really. All right, well. All right, yeah, if you I, could, yeah, if you could I, do that, that'd be cool. Um, what What do you use the Soylent bars for? Like a meal replacement or just like a snack? Or For me, they were um, a good breakfast. As mentioned before, a lot of mornings I'll pretty much just get up and roll out of bed and be ready to go to class and... I could eat a Soylent bar on my way to class. It didn't 
taste the best, especially scarfing it down, but it was a lot of the nutrients that I needed to get my day started the right way. <laughs> All right. Uh, on days that you have more time, what do you do for breakfast? Now, usually a bagel, because it's a lot cheaper to get a bagel and just keep, or get a roll of bagels and keep them up in my room than go downstairs and get an omelet and wait for them to make the omelet. Right. And all that stuff in the cafe. What appliances do you have? Uh, I have a toaster that I share with the whole floor and a microwave that I share with the whole floor. And then in my room, I've got a refrigerator and an electric kettle. Okay. I was wondering if you had, like, I, I didn't think you had an oven or anything, but, like, what was the extent of your culinary ability? Pretty restricted to microwaving and toasting anything if I want to <laughs> heat it up. We've got one guy on our floor who actually is the microwave chef of <laughs> probably of the whole campus. Like, he makes all kinds of different foods in the microwave. I think he made, like, a chicken dinner one night in the microwave. That's awesome. I, that sounds like a very useful skill. Yeah. I'm yeah. writing that down. As I mentioned, uh, one of the Soylent products, the food bars, caused people to get really sick. Steve and I hear you have a story about being really sick. I, I don't, actually. I just felt myself getting sick this week. And that is, for me, that's um, being dehydrated and, um, and sometimes headaches. That is mm -hmm. a telltale for me that, oh, you're about to get, like, snotty and gross. And so what I do to combat that is just drink as much water as I can possibly drink in a day. And yeah. eat very little junk food and stuff like that. And mm -hmm. just go about my day as usual, except with way more water than usual. So I was yep. wondering, Zach, how do you deal with getting sick or being sick? Um, for me, just what it's always been since I was younger is just primarily rest is the big thing. So chill more frequently, I suppose. <laughs> um, another tried and true college trick is just to chug emergency. I don't know what that is. That usually helps. Uh, it's a product by... Okay. Well, it's a product by... Alisair Corp, but essentially it's just a citrus-flavored fizzy drink that's just a big dose of vitamin C. Oh, wow. So it's uh, pretty much the same as taking, like, a vitamin C horse pill or right, yeah. chewable, but it's got a couple more things mixed in and... It tastes better. Tastes better, <laughs> yeah. Vitamin C makes sense. I didn't think about that. Mm-hmm. It's it's really weird how many things are affected by the vitamins. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, I know the security guy. Steve Gibson? Steve Gibson did a whole piece on vitamin D. Yeah, you're right. Um, I remember that. He, uh, I don't remember what his exact condition was, but it was something along the lines of he can't be in the sun for too long, otherwise he gets bad which is not a mm -hmm. giant issue for a assembly programmer most of the time. <laughs> but um, it is a problem for his health because you need vitamin D from the sun. And it's really hard to get it any other way. Mm -hmm. Actually, I'm pretty sure that um, seasonal affective disorder 
Uh, if you do, you know what that is? Yeah, it's uh like depression yeah. except only in the winter, essentially. Yeah, and a a lot of times the the two big things for mitigating that are full spectrum lights because it just yep yeah brings your body makes it think that it's less wintry than it actually is, and then vitamin D supplements. Mm-hmm. So take your vitamins, get more <laughs> sleep, and just. Think real hard about not getting sick. Yeah. Uh, Steve Gibson is also on uh, Sleep Now. He made a healthy sleep formula, and it's a set of pills that you take before going to bed, and apparently hmm. it's non-addictive and very effective. But he, because it's so effective, people, oh, people buy it, and the manufacturers of these products can't keep up. So... Ah. And because people they can't keep up, uh, they people buy in bulk, and then they can't keep up again, and mm-hmm. yeah, so it's a cycle. But I'm gonna put a link in the in the show notes because he has a thing that you can do to fall asleep very consistently. Hmm. And is that also a routine? Like, do you also meditate for 20 minutes before going to bed, I'm or pretty is it sure just, it's just the pills? All right. I've been looking at the four sigmatic mushroom sleep aid. Yeah, yeah, that works really well. That they've got. I tried that, and it's like taking NyQuil. It's just, Hmm. it's like you drink it, 20 minutes later you feel like, uh, I mean, if you feel like you've been up for 24 hours and need to sleep right now. Hmm, that's that's interesting because it's not what they say on their website. They say you could drink it right when you wake up in the morning and just have a more relaxed day, but that's not your experience? That's not my experience, no. I, for me, at least, it feels like I just chugged a thing of NyQuil, except without... That or you're just constantly running on adrenaline. <laughs> yeah. I I think that's not very likely. And <laughs> <laughs> definitely wouldn't be very healthy. No. And probably lead to you getting sick more often. Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it's weird that we, as a as a race, have figured out how to imbalance our body's hormones and chemicals. Because you can, I mean, in theory, you can take an adrenaline shot and just have a fight-or-flight response to everything, regardless of whether or not you're actually in danger. And, yeah, I mean, we stimulate ourselves with coffee and tea and whatever, and it's just really impressive, actually, <laughs> that we figured yeah. out how to do all this. Next step is curing sleep. Yes, yes. Sleep, and once we cure sleep, then we can cure death. Because yep. we can't cure death without first curing sleep, because you need that extra eight hours to work on death. Mm-hmm. I have noticed, and it's not very much, but I have noticed that a few of the people in Fond du Lac, Wisconsin, where I live, have been wearing chokers. But not like the normal yeah. like rubber, uh, silicone, whatever choker necklaces. It's a uh, it's a shoelace. It's a black shoelace, hmm. and they just tie it in a bow around. They go twice around and tie it in a bow around their neck. And it's just it's strange to me because that's how they're evolving, I guess. Yeah, I wonder if that has its origins in some fashion icon. Yeah, maybe or or like. A popular culture reference that we don't know about. 
man, I wish I had a choker necklace. I mean, I don't have one now, but at least I have a shoelace and it just caught on. Yeah, maybe. Or maybe it's a awareness thing that I'm not aware of and they're not doing a very good job of making me aware. <laughs> but yeah, I've just seen a few people around with uh, shoelaces around their neck. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting because there there have been, I know, ninety nine percent invisible did something on awareness ribbons and how it started with like tying a yellow ribbon around a tree, I think, hmm. for uh, if your significant other was off fighting the war, and then it grew from that to that like ribbon shape that we all know today that they use for um like relay for life has the ribbon there's the breast cancer awareness pink ribbon mm -hmm. and they're all kind of the same shape yeah and just different colors mm -hmm. so maybe that's the next stage they ran out of colors on awareness <laughs> ribbons and now it's awareness chokers <laughs> a lot of different systems propose ways of getting ideas out of your head so i'm wondering for you specifically steven what happens when you have a thought where does it go um just to clarify uh the systems aren't for getting ideas out of your head it's for getting them from your head to a physical medium yeah yeah so you don't keep, forget keep them. using something else to track the stuff that's floating around in your head so you can spend your brain power on other things right um i usually just tell the person next to me and ask them later what I was thinking about, <laughs> which is not a great uh, system, but it's the one I've been using. And just like, hey, I had an idea. And they're like, okay, Steven, whatever. And two minutes later, I'm like, or not two minutes, but a little while later, I'm like, all right, I'm ready to act on this idea. Uh, what was it again? And they're like, <laughs> so I went food trucks, Steven. So I went food trucks. Hmm. Okay, so how does something go then from there into like your OmniFocus or a calendar? Well, then I need to like really think it through, and then I have to be super prepared to think it through, uh, because I I'm gonna need a task on OmniFocus to make a project in OmniFocus for this thought I had. So does OmniFocus have a inbox functionality? Yes, it does. Which I use does. You... pretty frequently, uh, where it's just. But it's usually not for ideas, it's for things I need to do, but don't have the time to put into a project. So, like, what's an example of that? So, like, uh, I'm running out the door, because I'm late for whatever I'm doing, but on my way out of my room, I notice that I have a pile of laundry that I need to take care of. I say, okay. hey Siri, remind me to put away my laundry, and then that puts it in my OmniFocus inbox, and later I can catalog and put it in the chores project. Mm -hmm. which I don't think usually is what it's used for, but it's what I use it for, and I don't think there's a wrong way to use it, so. Yeah, if it if it works for you, that's that's good. Am I frozen again? Um, yep, you are, but... <laughs> uh, that's attractive. You're, you're a pretty ballerina. I am. <laughs> um, for me, I generally... I, I have a couple different ways that things get into my to-do-est. Um, when I had my Mac, it was really easy. You just hit Command-Shift-A, and the little Todoist bar would pop up, and then you could type in whatever, and it would do its natural language processing stuff that it does, and put everything into the right project and go where you wanted it. Hmm. 
But now that I'm on Windows, apparently pop-up bars like Alfred or like, um, what's this, the tool, the magnifying glass. Spotlight. Spotlight. Um, so things like that, like Spotlight or Alfred, are just not a functionality that Windows offers. Hmm. Um, so there's currently no way, no quick way from any app to add something to my to-do list, which is a mild frustration at best. Uh... There's something that I know OmniFocus does. I'm not sure if you can do that on... I know Todoist does it on Mac. Uh, but if you highlight some text and right-click it, you can make a service that puts it into your OmniFocus or Todoist inbox. Can Windows have something like that? Like a thing in your right-click menu? Um, Yeah, it does. I think that's a Chrome thing. Let's try it in a different browser. Doing some testing right now. Nope, it looks like all... Right-click menus are based entirely on which app you're in. Hmm. It doesn't seem like there's a good way to... So, is could you do, like, a shortcut to open the Notepad app, and then type in what you want, highlight, right-click? Or is that too much? Yeah, I mean, there, there would be a way to hack it into the system. Right, yeah. But either way, it's, it's, a, it's aggravating a steps, that yeah. it doesn't... Yeah. But yeah, I could probably set up a script. Todoist has an API, so I could set something up that just opens up a Todoist new task file on my desktop. I type in whatever I want, close it, and then it gets put into my Todoist just by an auto-running script. Yeah, or like a Windows app that opens by a shortcut, like it's always running in your little menu bar. Mm -hmm. You shortcut it opens up a little window just like the Todoist one on uh on Mac. You type it in and it sends it and hopefully it does the natural language processing on Todoist's side and not yours and you don't have to program that in. Yeah. It seems like a lot of work. Or it could just always go into the inbox yeah, from there. That works too. That would work too. I'm not sure what the difficulty is on that kind of thing. Yeah, I it doesn't seem like Todoist is really built for, or that it doesn't seem like Windows is built for quick, handy things popping up. Yeah, so sometimes when I have thoughts, they'll go, I'll open up Todoist and add it to Todoist that way. Otherwise, if I'm trying to work on something, uh, I usually try and have my little Rhodia notepad next to me, and I can write down hmm. ideas as I go there. And also at nighttime, I have a problem with thinking something up and then I'll open my phone to put the thing into Todoist and then get sucked down Twitter. So oh, yeah. I have just started using a notepad, the same notepad, just draw a line and say nighttime, and then I can add those thoughts as they come up without turning on a screen. Makes sense. Um, see, yeah, I ha I did do a th that a few times. I did, um, I've put ideas that I've had for say, a project or something, into the inbox, but I very rarely act on them, which is why mm -hmm. I don't do it very often. But if I tell someone about it, and they get excited about it too, then I'm more likely to do it, I think. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that makes like, sense. Yeah, it's a great idea, Stephen. You should totally do that. And I'm like, yeah, let's do that. Yeah. One of the, the big problems with computerized to-do systems is there's not really any incentive. Although, I would be very creeped out if... 
OmniFocus started telling me this is a bad idea. Don't do this. <laughs> that'd be that'd be how you implement machine learning into <laughs> OmniFocus. Oh, hey, you're back. You unfroze. Oh, look at that. Yeah. <laughs> If you like what you heard, or if you didn't like what you hear, don't do not do anything if you didn't like what you didn't hear. <laughs> Let us know if you didn't like what you heard. Just tweet at us if you didn't like it. But if you did like what you heard, then go right ahead and leave us a five-star rating on iTunes or whatever you use to listen to podcasts. Uh, don't forget to comment. It helps us out a lot, more than just rating it does. And if you want to get in contact with us about whatever, I suppose... I'm on Twitter, at ThePunsGuy. And I'm at NotStevenBerry. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.